Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's Steve from Helping a Homeless Wales. And uh, today I'm in mid Wales, um, literally just sitting by the side of the River Wye, um, one of the most beautiful parts of our, our country, no doubt. And um, I thought I'd do this today with somebody that's really quite some something, somebody very special. Um, this is not a person that's been out in the street, but this is certainly a person that knows a lot about people who live on the street. And I'm going to give her a very nice introduction because she certainly deserves it. The first time I ever saw this woman, I was literally sitting at home at 11 o'clock at night, scrolling through Facebook as you do. I said, well, who's this? This is quite nice. Who's she then, I thought. And when I actually looked, what I actually saw was a woman standing outside a van in Cardiff. And not just a normal night, it was a night it was absolutely chucking it down with rain. And she's standing there in a bit of a coat and her hair's stuck to her head and she's been blown around in the street there. And when I listened to what she got to say, I went, hang on a minute, have I got this right? This woman's driven all the way from Flandrinded Wells. That's 80 mile into Cardiff to feed homeless people and she's not just doing this one night she's doing it every Friday night 52 weeks of the year and when she's driving down through the Brecon Beacons over the top in the winter what she doesn't realize she's actually driving through 1.4 million people that live south of the heads of the valley she's driving through those people to get to the homeless people in Cardiff I remember the reaction I had first off is well why is she doing this? Why aren't all those other buggers that are in South Wales doing this? And I thought to myself at the same time, then a few minutes later, well, actually, Steve, you're one of them because you're living in South Wales. And that was the moment for me. That there was a bit of a, a, a moment when you suddenly go, I've got to do something. I've got to be involved. And so she inspired me to, to, do, <laughs> to do this now. As I'm talking, Faye, one of the volunteers, has just walked in here. Um, but she inspired me to get involved with with the, the, the charity. And what I've got to say about it is that next to my wife, next to my mother and my my paternal grand or my, my maternal grandmother, I should say, this woman has probably brought one of the biggest changes in my life <coughs> because I've gone from doing all the little hobbies and things that I do to suddenly committing literally every waking hour that I've got to this charity. But that's the sort of inspiration that this woman inspires in people. And I would say that over the three years that I've known her, she just hasn't inspired and helped people like me. She's probably fed hundreds, I mean hundreds of homeless people and vulnerable people, both in Cardiff and South Wales and in Mid Wales. So that's a nearly a three-minute introduction to a woman that everybody thinks the world of. And the person I'm talking about is none other than Sarah Mason. Sarah, say hello to everybody. I'm overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> thank you very much, Steve. That was uh, very nice of you. But all that's true, isn't it? I do. I do um, travel to Cardiff and I do what I can. Um, it's just a small act, really, that I believe. But... Um, the relationships that you build up with homeless people and with the volunteers, they, they are truly inspirational in their own right. They want to make changes and I believe that through food we can help them to do that. 
people, absolutely no. So tell me this, the, the, the burning question is, I always tease you and say that you and your mate were a bit like Thelma and Louise. You just suddenly jumped in a car one night and decided to go and feed homeless people. Now, I hope you don't mind me saying, you won't mind me saying this, you're actually a Midwells girl. The city is not your... No, I've never lived in Cardiff. <laughs> um, I'm born and bred in Bilth Wells. I um, left for a number of years when I joined the army. Right. Following that, I worked for a mobile phone company. I was a fraud investigator for them. And then I came back to Mid Wales when my oldest child was three. And I ran a post office for many years. Right, okay. So, come on, the burning question. What was the pivotal moment? What, what possessed you to suddenly jump in a car, a van, whatever, and drive down to Cardiff? What was the moment that you said, I've got to go and do this? Um, when I was in the army, I was based in London for a, a period of time. And as most people know, there is a lot of homeless people in London and I couldn't walk by. I always had to give them some time, not always money, food, drinks, and just generally make sure they were okay. Um, and when I came back to Midwells, I didn't realise there was any sort of problems at all. So for a number of years, I did nothing. And then I started to hear that there was poverty and obviously within Cardiff there was homelessness right so for the first couple of years on my own I used to save all my Tesco points and collect clothes from family and friends and use the points to buy wet wipes and your toiletries and a bit of chocolate and I would drop them off around hostels okay and, and, when, and what, what, what was what was the very first night like that you set off here from here Mid so, Wales, and, and who did you set off with? So the first, well, how it came about was, I saw a post on, like yourself on Facebook, and it happened to be um, one of my previous paper boys at the post office, mm -hmm. and he was going to attempt to do a reverse calendar and put something in a box every day, and at the end of the twenty-four days was going to deliver it to a hostel. Okay. So I contacted him and I said, "Hey, Ash, I." do similar to this, I collect all my points and I buy a load of stuff and I take a load of clothes. Would you like to sort of come together and I can, we can support each other? So he said, yeah, that'd be fantastic. We met, I gave him literally, burst into the seams full of a car full for him and mine was the same and off we went to our various locations. But in that time we talked and I said, do you know what, we should try and do something a bit better. How do you feel about it? I said, obviously it's too late this Christmas. But what about next year? If I get in touch with you around September time, we try and raise some money and put together 150 gift bags for Christmas for the homeless. Right. By then, by September, I got in touch with Ash, but I'd also spoken to another guy called Lee, um, who was a manager at Juicens locally, and a friend of mine, Nikki Pugh, and they were all buzzing. We were going to do this bingo, we were going to raise some money, and we were going to go to Cardiff. And I think what we probably all felt at the time was it would be wonderful and inspiring. It was an act of kindness, and that, but that would be it. Mm -hmm. When we got there, it was unreal. It was overwhelming. It broke our hearts, each and every one of us cried. Mm -hmm. And we realized that the homeless didn't really need as much of the goodies at Christmas because at that point in time, 
lots of people were good Samaritans because they were already out shopping. Mm -hmm. They would buy a pair of gloves, they would buy a chocolate bar. So the homeless seemed to have this influx of little nice things. Yeah. However, from talking to them, and, and I can talk as, as you well know, Steve, <laughs> um, they told us that after Christmas was the deepest, darkest time of their lives right. because they were cold, they were wet, and nobody had any money. And that was when they needed people to help them. Mm -hmm. So we decided as a group of four, um, and Lee, um, sorry, not Lee, Ashley's wife came on board as well, uh, Kaylee, um, that we would go till March. Right. Because we had enough donations then, we would go till March and see them through to the warmer weather, mm -hmm. and that would be it. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, by the time March came, we knew most of them by name. Mm -hmm. We got to know them really well. Um, we knew where their sort of their pot, their little spots were. So we, and they got to know us. Yeah. And we realised that we were engaging with people. We were able to talk to them. We were able to signpost them. Um, and we felt we were making a difference. They told us it made a difference. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, I have to say, I was hooked. It's an addictive thing to do because when you walk away that night um, and you go home, you do think about these people. Oh, yeah, completely. And especially if something good has happened to them. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like winning the lottery yourself when yeah. they come to you and they say... You can't believe this, Sarah. You know, I've I've got a housing officer now, or I'm on the I'm on the list. I'm yeah. nearly there, or yeah. I've managed to get into a drug program, and yeah. and they're really excited because we may be that one person because they've lost contact with family or friends, um, and because we're not in that addictive state, they look up. They don't look up to us. That's the wrong word, but they look to us as somebody that can well, share the yes. joy. Yes, um, we un we can relate to them, we understand them, and we're that beacon of hope. Absolutely, you know. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, okay, so how many years ago was that? I believe this is year six. Wow. Okay, and then should we say then sort of you 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 pretty much did that for the next two or three years, just consistently. Every, we missed one Friday in four years and it wasn't that we missed the Friday we couldn't actually get there because it was the most severe flooding yeah. I think Taft's well down in Cardiff yeah, got that's hit right. really badly yeah. we actually couldn't get to the homeless right um, but we had a we had a van by then we'd gone from a car to a van Scrapey Scrapey Scrapey's still and going now she is indeed and we were determined to do something that, that day. Right. And myself and Kat and another another volunteer, we ended up in Wrexham. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because it was the only place where the roads were clear. Right. And we wanted to get to to utilise the food that we had, the clothing that we had, and we wanted to make sure that somebody got it. Yeah. And I have to say, we got the biggest, warmest response there. We haven't gone to Wrexham since because what was really lovely about the, the time we spent there was that we were introduced to the homeless groups that were running down there. Yeah. So we built this really great relationship um, and they know that if they need anything to this day, yeah. they can call on us and vice versa. So um, it was lovely that we were able to go down and experience it, yeah. meet um, a different need. Yeah. Um, and because every area that you travel, as you know, Steve, you know, you go to 
to Mid Wales, Newtown is a different need to Brecon, yeah. but then when you go to Cardiff, it's different to Newport. So yeah. we recognise that the difference is there. So it was really, really sort of a great experience for us to go down there and, and get and some feedback. And there was feedback. a period of time when in the last couple of years when we actually went to Hereford as well. You had a team going to Hereford. We did every Wednesday. Um, we reached out to Hereford because we, for us in Mid Wales, Hereford obviously is in England, but because we've got so little here in the mm-hmm. way of shopping, yeah. um, we've got beautiful boutiques and the little shops, but mm-hmm. you need to get your child a pair of trainers and something yeah. like that. It's either online or yeah. you need to travel. Yeah. So for most of us living in Mid Wales, Hereford is a, a, probably the quickest place to go shopping. Okay. And we were recognising going there that there were homeless in doorways and homeless on benches. Mm-hmm. And so we reached out to um, a small group at the time called Hereford Homeless. Yeah. Um, who were sort of starting starting out, they weren't big enough to, as to the extent we'd got to. Mm-hmm. And we agreed that we'd go down every Wednesday evening yeah. and feed the homeless there and clothe and support with toiletries and things like that. And we did that for a number of months until COVID struck. So what is, there's a really good point there. So we'll link, link us up to COVID. So in this last year, since the COVID pandemic, how has the charity changed? Dramatically absolutely unbelievable it's almost it's diverse it had to be it had to diverse because of covid we've gone from containers in mid wales to store our stuff to a hub Mm -hmm. we're working on the hub at the moment and and the hub for those who don't know we're we're actually in the hub at the moment um it's on the side of the a470 as you go through um uh, Bilth Wells, you get over the River Bridge and you've got the Lanel with Arms in front of you. And between the Lanel with Arms and the two petrol stations, which are just before the Royal Welsh Show, if you if you look at yeah, look to your right hand side there, if you look to your right hand side, you see a burger van. Um, and tucked behind the burger van is what used to be what well, this used to be a scout hut, was it? it? This was a scout hut when I was a child. It okay. Was a so, sc- uh, but now it's, a, it's our hub, it's our centre, it's where we bring donations to, or we have been bringing donations to up to this point. Um, but we're going to turn this into a, a drop-in centre. What's the plans for this place, Sarah? So we are currently working with social services and with our local schools. Um, but this was a centre where we will be putting on arts, crafts and learning classes. Yeah. It's also a drop-in centre. So anybody that wants to come and um, just get out from isolation, they mm-hmm. may be feeling a bit low, they maybe need their washing doing. We've got washing and drying facilities here that people can use yeah. free of charge. We've got an independent food pantry. So there's a no stigma policy here that if you need some food, mm-hmm. we're here to help where we can. Um, but we want it to be a place where people feel that they can reach out we can support them into accessing other services, but also to look at developing skills, yeah. whether that be life skills through cookery, um, maybe they want to learn some, some small arts and crafts sessions, and this will be open for both adult children and families. Um, so we're working on the centre at the moment just to get the final pieces done. Um, we've just had hot water fitted, yeah. and we've just got a few doors to fit now, and then we're in the process then of obviously getting it registered with Powers County Council, so that we can move forward and get this um, project up and running. So in, in Mid Wales, you know, people that are, that are from South Wales or an urban area, they, they don't really understand rural poverty. Now, I'm a rare boy myself, so I've, I've lived in both worlds. But explain to people here what rural poverty is like compared 
to perhaps what I'm used to seeing down in South Wales? So poverty here is very, very hidden. Um, they, I, I can hold my hands up. I've walked past houses thinking that looks fine. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to know people and realise the depths of the deprivation. We um, provide food hampers every week to the local high schools because we have little employment in Mid Wales. There are limited jobs. Mm-hmm. Most of our jobs are, are basic wage. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our jobs are part-time. There's not a huge amount of full-time. If you're not a builder or in construction and things like that. Or in farming. Or farming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of our jobs are very low paid. Mm-hmm. And people can be working a lot of hours and still not be able to afford to eat. And we find that a lot of people will say, well, I can feed my children, but I can't afford to feed myself. So they go hungry mm-hmm. for the sake of their children. We've got children going to school with empty stomachs because there's not enough money to feed them. We, they used to get a free breakfast club. Yeah. These have stopped. Yeah. We've got children who don't meet the criteria for free school meals because mum and dad are both working. Yeah. But they've got nothing on their food cards. So yeah. we feed them. Yeah. We We've set it up with the schools and the schools have been very welcoming that there's a no, again, a no stigma policy. Anybody that needs to have some food can access it. They've put the measures in place that there's toasters and microwaves. Yeah. And these kids now are able to access food, which all ultimately means that their education will, will be better because they're not sitting there with grumbly tummies. Yeah. Um, We've also uh, worked with social services due to the isolation. Mm -hmm. We're getting more and more um, referrals to support people in their homes who are struggling. Um, A lot of people are struggling to be able to afford to replace a washing machine. So our washing facilities are being used several times a week where before COVID we didn't even have this facility. I suppose the crazy thing is about it, we live in probably, what is it, the second richest nation in the world or some statistics like that. And, and you know, working with yourself, when, I, when I've been, we've been doing the food hampers and both in South Wales and, and in Mid Wales as well, it, it's abundantly clear that we live in a society where there's an abundance of food, mm. food getting wasted left, right and centre. Yeah. And really... All we're doing as a charity is getting that food to people. Yes. Um, it, it, you know, it's not costing us anything. It's food that would have been thrown away yeah, or destroyed, and yet there's people desperate for that food. Mm. And so, really, you know, any volunteer that joins us is is just really helping making that connection between a society that's got in excess and trying to get that access to the people that haven't got anything at all. Okay, so. Well, we talked about the growth of this of, of, of the organisation, and as we sit here today, when I first met you, you just had Scrapey. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, we call it Scrapey because the van's scrapes in third gear, and so it's got its nickname. Um, and now as we stand, we've got three long wheelbase transits. We have. Um, and we've got... A hub in Taftswell, one container is full of clothes that we take out on the street every week. And then the other one is dedicated to food, which we take the hampers. So you've now got three teams going out on the street um, every week. Um, Three people per team. Um, And then we've got the hamper run going out on a Tuesday night. Um, a hamper night, sorry, going out on a Monday night down in South Wales. And then one in in Bridge End. Um, and Barry also. So 
You also run hampers here in Mid Wales. We do. We do our local facility on generally a Monday. Yeah. So that's Bilth, Flandrindod and the surrounding areas. Yes. And we do Brecon um, in the midweek and we generally do Newtown on a Thursday. Right, okay. So that that's a huge change. Massive. In, in 12 months. Um, and really, if we said now, what's the number one priority um, for us as an organisation? At the moment, um, as I sit here today, we are in the process of opening our first charity shop. I say first because I'm hoping that in the future we can open one nearer to South Wales. Okay. Um, and hopefully we can continue to grow so that we are accessible um, for people to come across Wales as well. So we haven't just got one hub, we've got hubs being manned around Lots the place. Of you know, so that food poverty does start to be eliminated and we are supporting those. In and where is the shop at the moment now? So we've, we're in the process of setting up a shop as we're sat here, feeling a bit guilty, to be honest. Because everybody else is working in the shop. Working. Um, it's in Bilth Wells and it's in the middle of the high street, directly opposite what was our library. Yeah. Um, it's what people know as the old Roy Brown's Coaches shop. Yeah. And it is currently being filled with really good stuff that has been donated to us. Um, it's not stuff that we would generally use with homeless people either. So then we're no. not sacrificing the clothing from them. Yeah. Um, they're always our first priority, as, yeah. as everybody knows. But we need to raise funds like everybody else. We're a self-funded charity. We get no financial backing from our government or no. our councils. We never receive any funding direct from them. So to run our vans, to run the hub, to run the containers, to put the ovens on to cook the foods, yeah. we have to raise money. Yeah. Um, and we are obviously, like everybody else, we're stretched and we have taken what for us is a major um, leap in sort of uncertainty in opening a charity shop but we hope that people will support it and you know enjoy getting a bargain yeah and um, it will hopefully raise lots of money to so that we can continue to do the work that we're doing and keep reaching out and and you know you said this the other day we we, we feel that we're, we're quite well resourced as a as an organization but there's one resource that is so incredibly scarce at the moment and what's that we need volunteers. Yep. We absolutely need volunteers. That's in Mid Wales and South Wales, Bridge End. Um, we really, really need you. And what was adamantly clear here is that when COVID hit, lots of people were on furlough. Lots of people wanted, they, they got bored. Mm -hmm. So they spent the first summer in the sun and they had a few beers in the garden and it was lovely. Mm -hmm. Then they got bored. We had an abundance coming forward. We did. They wanted to help and make a difference, and they did. They and really we expanded did. as a result. And we did expand. And obviously now furlough's coming to an end. People are going back to work. We seem to have lost a lot of the the really great people that we had. And mm -hmm. you know, we it's not about donating the hours Steve and I donate, and Faye donates, and Sean donates. It's it's the little things that make a difference. You know, mm -hmm. are you able to just pick up from one of our supermarkets? Are you able to pick up our fair share? Are you able to donate one night a month? Are you able to come to the containers and sort some food or yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, and there is there's so many there's a myriad of of different 
um, things that people can do. Mm. Um, we accept the fact that it's not everybody's cup of tea to go tramping around the streets no. on a wet night. Um, on the other hand, there are people um, that really love doing that. Yeah. And, and if you try to get them to work in a shipping container to, to sort some food, they look at you a bit sideways, but they want to be out in the streets. So we accept that in, in an organisation that's as large as ours, we literally need all people from all walks of all life. All walks of life. And you know, when you look at it, um, we recently had um, a first aid training session here in Bilth. And uh, little did I realize that six days later, mm. the life-saving training that we had here would be something that I'd be involved in myself. But I'd be looking at somebody going, Steve, this is real. This person looks like they're just about to die and we need to get paramedic here. Um, and you know, in many ways, as a team, we're, we're ordinary people. And the, the cliche is we're ordinary people doing something quite extraordinary. Um, and when you look at the fact that we're often with homeless people on the street before the paramedics get there, um, you know, it is, would you say it's a roller coaster? Absolutely. And, it is a roller coaster. And we've had, sadly, we've lost some people. We've lost many people over the years, many really good people. And by that loss, I mean they passed away. Yeah. On the street. On the street. We've had one this week that was found in a hedge, quite literally, in the centre of Cardiff. They reckon the body had been there for over a week before anybody found it, and that is in the middle of our capital. So it's it's a stark reality. It's a roller coaster in the sense that there are some terrible moments where you don't sleep properly at night, but then there are some moments when somebody comes up to you and they say, "I've been clean for seven months." And they, they look like a different person, don't they? They do, they do. And, and one of the big ones that sticks in my mind was I had a young girl and she was probably the biggest needle injector I'd ever, I've ever met in the mm-hmm. female mm-hmm. of drugs. She'd lost her children, she'd lost her dignity, her self-worth and unexpectedly found herself pregnant. Mm-hmm. She got herself on a programme with our support mm-hmm. She had this baby and she was eligible due to her commitment to go to a mother and baby unit. Mm-hmm. Now, her baby was one a couple of weeks ago yeah. and she's now clean. Yeah. She's been clean the whole time and she has been given full custody of that baby through the courts and she's moving into a home. And to be honest, she's unrecognisable. She's unrecognisable. Per- person that, that you, you, know, you knew. So they do change, mm-hmm. you know, and I always believe that, you know, when we use our quote, any act of kindness, you know, it is. It's the kind Any act of words. kindness is never wasted. It isn't wasted because yeah. it, it can break them down mm-hmm. and it can mean so much to them. And, you know, when you look at, at how, how she's progressed and the fact that she's a mum, mm-hmm. 18 months, 19 months down the line with the baby, yeah. that's amazing. And, she, yeah. and she's done it herself, but she always says, without us, she doesn't know if she could have made it we didn't do it she did it and we supported but it started with quite literally somebody walking up to her going hello love how are you do you want some food yeah do you want a cup of tea yeah. do you want a cup of coffee do you want any sweets that's how that journey started um with just somebody reaching out to a person sitting on the side of the street and talking to them and building that relationship and then telling them we'll see you on this day because we'll be back back on back on, that promise. Well, back on monday back on thursday back on saturday yeah and it and and they come out sometimes to meet us just to have a conversation as well sarah it's been a fabulous moment for you and i to sit quiet and just talk about 
what you've experienced over the last six years and also what I've experienced with you over the last three years and the amazing team of people that we've got around us. As Sarah says, we're desperate for volunteers and, and really in many ways we're probably only scratching the surface in terms of what could be done if only we, we had more people. So I'm going to wrap it up there, folks. Thank you, Sarah. We've got to go over that shop now and, and start moving some stuff around and getting it ready for the public to go in. So that's about it from me, folks. Thanks for listening to this podcast. There will be other podcasts. If you want to find out more about helping our homeless whales, simply go to www.helpingourhomelesswhales.org. Or if you feel like volunteering, and it doesn't matter what you do, we want to know about you. If you want to volunteer, then please send an email to myself, Steve, at helpingourhomelesswhales.org. Thanks very much, for folks, for listening once again, and we'll catch you next time around. Thanks for that. Bye-bye.